What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. I am your host, Ray. We are to have a guest this week, an old favorite to cover the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, but first, I want to introduce my co-host, Peter Bugginson's 88. How you doing? Doing great. We made it. Playoffs are here. And uh, yeah, excited to have uh, somebody who's watched more Timberwolves this year than you and I combined. Uh, and we thank him for that. <laughs> and I we believe we do. We a man that has work. made more appearances on Four Corners than anybody else. This is what, like fourth or fifth time now, I think? Man, it, it might it might be fourth or fifth time just this year. I know I've been on a couple times last year, too. But, yeah, I, I love coming on the show. It's a lot of fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you uh, just heard Big Dole, Jokic's delicious revenge, uh, at Revenge Jokic on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, we are here. We've made it. A round of applause for all of us in our sanity that the regular season is over and we are preparing to watch the Nuggets later this afternoon, this evening, uh, play the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Chris Finch team, the double big team. Um, so I kind of want to start it off like this. I mean, a thousand foot view. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you. How do you think this series is going to go Uh not, you know, no specifics, but general win expectations. I think that the Nuggets should handle their business in five or six games. Um, I think the, the Wolves will have at least like one game where they're just hot and like feeling themselves. Probably game three or game four at home. But, you know, I, I would be surprised with a sweep. I'd be happy with a sweep, but I, I don't really expect it. You know, expect more of a gentleman sweep and uh you know, if they have one extra game where they play well or, or get hot, you know, maybe they push the Nuggets to six. But if there's a game six in Minnesota, I fully expect the Nuggets to go in there, you know, really serious and be like, all right, time to stop screwing around. How about you, Dole? Do you feel a similar way or do you feel like this is a game that in classic Nuggets, Nuggets fashion is going to go to six games, seven games? No, I feel more confident than um, Buckets. I think that the Nuggets are going to win in five games. It's – uh same thing. I think they'll get hot. The Wolves will get hot one game, and they'll make their threes. Ant and Towns will both make their threes. Tim Connell or Mike Connolly, uh, he can make his threes too. Uh, we saw that in the Lakers series um, or the Lakers game. But yeah, I, I think overall, um, the Wolves are too young and experienced. It reminds me of uh, a young Nuggets team when they used to struggle in the third quarter. I think that the Wolves have something similar where teams will adjust at halftime and they're unable to beat the adjustment for several minutes and several of uh, lapses in um, the third quarter. And that ultimately uh, spirals to their downfall. And as well as they're just too young, they don't know how to play in clutch time. So I still think that although they do have veterans on their team, a lot of their big star, big name players are young still and don't exactly understand how to win yet. So I, I think that once again, five games, very feeling very confident in it. That's fair. I kind of find myself in a similar boat that um, five games is what I, not saying it's a lock because, you know, you never know what can happen. But I think as far as what the Nuggets should expect of themselves and what I expect from them, five games is like a, a healthy expectation that's going to get you out of the first round with a little bit more rest than I think they've had in the past. Um, do I want to sweep? It would be nice. You know, it would be a little like feather in the cap. Uh, I, I think especially after, uh, you know, that, that game way back when uh, against Jimmy Butler, I think that would be a, a good vibe um, 
from this Toblerone team. Not that he's still on the team, but to come back and kind of get that, get over that hump. So going to that point, um, thinking about some like key players for Minnesota, I mean, I've got to think that Anthony Edwards is probably, uh, if not number one or number two on you guys' list, at least number three. What are, uh, Peter, I'll start with you. So what are your expectations for him against Denver? He's kind of had a, a relatively comfortable time in the past using his size against Denver's guards and, and kind of dominating the game in that way. Uh, how big of a threat do you see he is? Yeah, he's, it's a pretty good matchup for him against Denver. I expect we'll start with KCP on him. Um, obviously, he's too small for him, but he can still, you know, be quick enough to hopefully cut off a lot of his drives. Um, one thing I think that hasn't really been talked about at all nationally is that Anthony Edwards got hurt against the Lakers. Uh, if you guys were watching that game, he hurt his shoulder. So he came back in that second half duel, and he played horrible. Uh, I don't know if he scored in the fourth quarter at all. Uh, he did look better against the Thunder. You know, some of that was just kind of getting hot shooting, but I think we're pretty lucky because I just think that, you know, you kind of touched on this already, both of you, is that we're kind of catching the Wolves at a good time. Like, they're not really ready yet. You know, Anthony Edwards is going to be a phenomenal player in two to three years. He's already really good, but he just doesn't have the, what's the word, like gusto? He he doesn't really have the experience is the easy word, but he doesn't really have the know-how and the quite that like final piece of IQ of like, I know what to do in these situations. He's still kind of like a heat check guy to me, even though he's going to, you know, can go for 25 points and a half. Um, So like, yeah, the game that they win, he'll probably go off, but I'm confident in Denver's collective defense that they can, limit him from just going supernova the way uh, Donovan Mitchell did against us a few years ago. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty valid. Um, Dole, how about you? How do you feel about Anthony Edwards going to this uh, series? You know, he has had a bit of a rough stretch since his injury, but are you worried at all about that matchup? Um, yeah, so the kid's 21. I think Buckets has a good point. Um you know, he is hurt, but I think he's going to heal a little bit quicker than others. Uh, I think he'll be good enough to go for the series. Obviously, he's not going to sit out just for a sore shoulder. Um, he's going to play. Um, I wouldn't expect him to, you know, average like 30 points or even 25 points a game in this series. I would maybe say somewhere in the lower 20s points per game in this series. I think that the Nuggets are going to do a pretty good job of containing him. But, you know, when, uh, as Buckets had said, too, um, he doesn't have the IQ. He doesn't know what to do in the situation. He just hasn't been a winner, really. Um, uh, you know, even when he was, you know, back in the NCAA, he didn't really win all that much either. Um, I think that he just needs to learn how to do it. Um, he needs to get a veteran like Mike Connolly on the team to help him teach them how to, how to, you know, win. And, uh, like I said, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, they're just running into those type of issues where when it's coming down the stretch, let's not dribble the clock down to 10 seconds do a bunch of slow crossovers until you get your guy backed up and take a 27 foot mid-range jump shot. You know, I don't think that that's going to work. Um, and that's what he's been doing for the past two years. And it's just, just, it's so painful to watch the wolves in, in clutch time. I am just sitting there just banging my head against the wall. Like, what are you guys doing? Get other people involved, go earlier in the clock so you can get a quality shot, et cetera. You know, it's, 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 it is frustrating, but once again, like I said, the, the main players on that team are so young 
you know, they're, they're going to win a game. They're, they're going to have a, a little bit more energy and pep in their step, I think, than the Nuggets as well. And I think that the Wolves are going to push the Nuggets every single game, um, you know, and Ant will definitely be pushing him, himself to the limit too because I know he wants to win. He's such a great competitor. Um, so uh, overall, I think, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards is, um, you know, it's, it is a good test for the Nuggets to get ready for a player like, you know, Devin Booker or like a player like, um, you know, like Paul George, you know, I, I think that it'll be a good series for the Nuggets to uh, get tuned up and get some confidence. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been hitting on this all year, how bad they've been in the, in crunch time. It, it's really jarring. I mean, the Lakers game was absolutely brutal. I, I don't know if they scored a field goal in that last, like, four or five minutes. It was those no, three free throws from Conley. Six, last six minutes. That? Even score. <sighs> last six <laughs> minutes. Like, that's embarrassing for for NBA team. Yeah, he made the three throws in overtime. But, you know, and this, is, this was a last year. Unfortunately, uh, I wasn't able to watch the game. But I just remember hitting the refresh button against Memphis. I was like, oh, wow, they're going to steal this game. And then they collapsed in the fourth quarter, I believe, in like two different games in that series. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the games, they were up by 20 points. The other game, they were up by like 15 or so. Uh, one of them was at home, and I believe when they were up by 20, they were on the road. And um, I, I just don't know what, the, what happens if it's, if it's a halftime adjustment that gets them or if it's just the fact that they just start playing uh, not to lose at the beginning of the fourth quarter, you know, and it's just the frustration of watching them and watching my friends watch the Wolves is just, I feel sorry for them because, you know, they just, it's just not the type of basketball that's fun to watch. It's not the type of basketball that's um, efficient enough to win you games in the NBA. And they continue to do it week in and week out, you know, and it's this, almost the same story with the Wolves. Every single time they play a good team, they get up by 10 or so at half, and then they come out of the gates in the third quarter and have a Nuggets like third quarter every single time. As you know, when we would say, Oh, the Nuggets are going to have, you know, how can they survive those third quarters? And it's the same thing because the teams make the adjustment at halftime, they throw that counter punch, and the Wolves don't know what to do. So I, I think um, one thing that does kind of concern me a little bit in this is is how much of an adjustment is Michael Malone going to make at halftime? Uh, I know he likes to stand tall, uh, stout, and and uh, really not um, like to – he doesn't really like to change his game plan that much. But, however, I think in this series, this might be something that could benefit them because he's going against a bunch of youthful players that might not know how to beat something right away or might not recognize change right away. So we'll see what happens with Mike and uh, how he coaches the series. Yeah, I think that's an important point, something to consider. Um, and more to that, you know, the Wolves kind of have created a team and built a roster that has more size, I think, on it than a lot of other teams that the Nuggets might come across in the playoffs. Um, Nas Reed not being available, but Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, both close to, if not seven feet tall. Uh, Peter, all three how do you feel... Michael Malone is going to adjust to approaching them as a duo. Oh, I think Peter might be frozen, but that's okay. Uh, I will, I'll chime in on that myself in that. Um, well, I know, I know in terms of what I expect, I've always seen Michael Malone react to difficulty by going small. 
And, and, and I know that that's been something that's been a through line throughout the season is that when Michael Porter is struggling in some way, he goes to, you know, Bruce Brown. That when uh, they need that sort of uh, defensive versatility, I think is what he's looking for. He oftentimes is going to go ahead and go to, you know, Christian Brown at the three, a, uh, you know, at times he's gone to like Peyton Watson at the four, Peyton Watson at the five, things like that. So I'm curious in this one to see if Michael Malone approaches things similarly, if he's trying to counter uh, what the Wolves bring in terms of size with more small ball, or if he does go to some larger lineup, some things that we haven't seen before. You know, maybe we do end up seeing um, a, I don't know, a Jokic Thomas Bryant moment. Uh, I'm dull kind of ask you, is that something that you might expect, or do you think we're going to see like more uh, traditional adjustments from Malone this, this series? And do they need that? Because they are more talented, so it's it's also questionable. Well, I do kind of want to see what uh, Zeke Naji kind of looks like um, spending some minutes on Carl um, Anthony Towns. I think that he might be a good matchup for him sneakily. Um, I already know, and you're going to hate this, but um, they, they, he's going to try Jeff on Towns uh, eventually, and it's probably going to be in game one. He's probably going to pick up the minutes when, this, when he staggers with the bench. Um, I don't know how that's going to go. I know Towns is really he's not as he's not the smartest player um in the in the league. I'm hoping someone can get him into foul trouble. Um if whether if it's Aaron Gordon or if it's Jokic, uh, I think Aaron Gordon's definitely strong enough to finish through Towns. Um I think I'm strong enough to finish through Towns. <laughs> but um I uh, I I think that you know a big thing with Towns is if he can stay out of foul trouble and I think that's going to depend a lot on how Malone coaches the series. I I I can see Zeke coming in a little bit um, in this specific series. Um, I think that he would be a good fit. I think Jeff's a good fit for the series. Um, Vladko would be a good fit. I mean, like you said, you know, the Wolves like to go big. I think that um, Malone would also like to kind of mirror that and go big just because I think our bigs are better than their bigs. But then again, you know, the Wolves also like to play a few uh, smaller guys too, like like Jalen Noel or um, even like, uh, you know, Jordan McLaughlin too. They'll, they'll sub those guys in and out and they'll play quite a bit um i want to see um peyton watson you know what what he would look like on a as a bigger uh defender on a small guard like that because i think he could do uh pretty i think he could be pretty effective um with that as well but as for going small you know i what would you what would your ideal lineup be ray if uh malone did go small oh i <laughs> that's such an interesting question because none of my ideal lineups have ever consisted of Denver going small, if I'm going to be honest. So mm -hmm. that's something I actually have to think about. I mean, I, I'm, you're, of course, you're going to start with Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic as sort of the, the first uh, two poles of that, that grouping. But if they had to go small, I would say Michael Porter at the four. I mean, I think that's the most value you can get out of a team like this going, uh, quote unquote, small. Um, I know so far that isn't tiny, but then probably filling in with uh, Christian Brown, I think Bruce Brown, probably KCP is what, maybe not what I would want because again, like I love going, I love going two size a little bit more than going small, but I think for um, a smaller lineup than what the Nuggets traditionally do that you, Malone might want to give a shot, I, I think that's going to be along the lines of what we see. 
Um, Peter, I'll kind of throw it to you. Before you left, uh, we were talking about so adjustments and, and things that Michael Malone often wants to go to versus like what we might expect, especially with the Wolves being a much larger team than we're used to. Um, and a coach and Chris Finch, who I think is very comfortable utilizing multiple bigs at once. Uh, what do you expect from Mike Malone insofar as adjustments he is likely to make? And in comparison, what adjustments would you hope that he makes? Yeah, I don't think this is really a series where we're going to see him going small too often. Uh, I just don't think it's going to call for it. I mean, I think it might in the next series, uh, assuming the Nuggets get that far. But uh, yeah, I'm not opposed to Michael Porter at the four. I guess I don't know what Malone's going to do when when it's time for bench minutes. I mean, I guess if if they try to match up Gobert with Jokic, and then you got Towns going against the non-Jokic minutes, I'm fine with giving Zeke a try at that because, you know, as others have pointed out, as good of a player as Carl Anthony Towns is, he's he's kind of an unbalanced player because he got so good at shooting early that he kind of neglected his post game, right? So when Dole was, you know, talking about he could finish through Towns, it's like as talented and as skilled as he is, he doesn't really play like a seven-footer, right? He actually kind of plays like a just like a really skilled wing, but he's still bigger and bulkier and slower than like a Kevin Durant. Like you would never compare those two types, but I haven't really seen Carl Anthony Towns get a smaller guy on him and really like pound him in the post all that much. So I do feel like you could get away with Zeke on him. Um, you know, he, I feel like he's got the foot speed to hang with him. I just don't know how much Towns would punish that matchup. You know, the interesting thing too about this series as a whole though, I don't know if you guys touched on this yet, Towns actually hasn't played against the Nuggets all season. So we've done okay in that matchup in the past. But, you know, I'm, I guess my biggest question mark is simply like Aaron Gordon for this series because I think he'll probably get that assignment. I mean, he's going to guard either Towns or Edwards. So I feel like it would make sense to start him on Towns, KCP on Edwards, because if you don't put, if you don't put AG on Towns, then Mike has to guard Towns. And I don't think you really want that. So. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think we all kind of made the comment in the offseason that, like, when Minnesota made this trade, they had the Nuggets in mind. So if you're a Timberwolves fan, you're actually probably looking at this series going, we had a rough year, but this is what we wanted. You know, this is, like, one of the best matchups for us in terms of all the good teams in the West. So at least they're going to talk themselves into that. It'll be up to the Nuggets to, you know, prove that wrong. But, uh, you know... Just one last thing for matchups really quick that I think is really, really important in the series. If, Ray, if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago what would be my level of concern for playing the Timberwolves, I probably would have been at like a six. But now that Jaden McDaniels is out, I'm I'm down to like a four or five just because he's such a good defender and Minnesota isn't really like a national team yet that's that gets talked about a whole lot. He would have done a really good job at limiting either Murray or Porter, whoever they chose to put him on. The fact that he's not going to be there means that those guys should be able to to get off shots, you know, in their normal rhythm whenever they need to. Because I really think Finch is going to do his best to sell out on Jokic. You know, he he knows what he's done against Gobert one on one. He knows that Towns can't guard him. So whichever guy they put on Jokic, they're still going to have the defense shaded to like stop Jokic at all costs. 
Nuggets are going to have to hit shots in this series. And, uh, you know, Mike Conley, he's he's been a decent defender for his career, but he's not he's not what he used to be. And I don't think Jamal Murray is going to have a problem with him. I mean, he lit up the Jazz when Conley was on the Jazz a few years ago. So this is going to be a big series for Jamal Murray. You know, I think Jokic will be fine, but I don't think Jokic is going to dominate. I think this is the series for Jamal Murray to really step up and show everybody what he can do in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I kind of expect going into it, a lot of teams, I think, also have been looking at the Jokic-Gordon dynamic defensively and thinking, okay, who can we put on Jokic and have whoever, you know, Aaron Gordon's man is kind of sagging off. So I kind of expect that kind of Carl Anthony Towns on ball, go bear off ball, kind of as a roamer treatment. Uh, so, I, so I do agree with you in that. I think that's going to end up challenging, you know, guys like Aaron Gordon, guys like Michael Porter, guys like Jamal Murray to hit those shots in, um, you know, in compensation. Dole, I'll ask you this before we, uh, you know, as we move forward. So, going up and down this roster, we've kind of talked about. The major players, the Anthony Edwards is uh, of the situation, the Gobert's, the Mike Conley's. Being a little bit more familiar with the team, who do you see? You know, uh, we talk about the Nuggets' guys like eight through twelve. Who you know, they maybe they play in the series, maybe they don't. Maybe they have a big role, maybe they don't. Who do you see on this roster who might appear more than we would expect uh, in playoff minutes? So, like on on the, on the Wolves roster, yeah. Kyle Anderson, for sure, he's going to play a ton. I think he's going to play quite a bit. Um, I think eventually I think that they're just going to have to bench Rudy. and They might just go with Kyle and uh, start, start him on Jokic and then bring Towns as a roamer, doubler, um, that type of situation. Um, Torian Prince, he is going to be so important to um, what they do when they guard Michael Porter um, or M- Jamal Murray. I, I'm not sure if Prince can guard Jamal Murray. But I'm sure they're going to try that. Um, uh, but for the most part, I think he'll be on Porter quite a bit. Another one is uh, the rookie that they had just required. The reason why the Wolves have been playing so well recently is because this Nikhil Alexander-Walker guy has been coming alive here now the past two weeks. I think that he's played pretty well for the Wolves. And he definitely played well the other night against the um, uh, against the uh, Lakers. You know, He made some threes. He played some tough defense. And that's what they need him to do. Um, so I, I think that those are two guys that are going to be really important. And then um, another guy who's sort of young, uh, Jalen Noel. You know, you could see him get some minutes. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, Mike Connolly is going to be predominantly be getting most minutes, like at least 35 minutes a night. But you'll see a combination of like Noel or McLaughlin in situations. And I, I'm not sure which one they're going to go with. I know McLaughlin is a less, uh, lesser of mistake type of guy, but Noel can score a little bit better. So we'll see what they go with. Um, I would expect them to start with McLaughlin just because he's the experienced guy. Low mistake. Um, but eventually, you know, I could see uh, Noel getting some minutes um, in the series just because I'm not sure if the Wolves are going to be able to keep up with the Nuggets. But, you know, we'll we'll see as, as the series goes along. I think that those are some names that you guys should look out for. Um, and I think they're going to have some pretty good, uh, a pretty good series. Will we see Austin Rivers? You know, he's been on the roster, but he hasn't really played very much. He's definitely been slipping. Um, age is getting to him. He hasn't had the shot making that he had in the past, but he also could be one of the guys that they trot out there as a last minute resort to try and guard Jamal Murray. Um, you know, 
Tim Connolly saw when was here when um, Austin Rivers was one of our main guard defenders for the Blazers and for the uh, Sun series. So I think that um, he ha- kind of has a reputation of, you know, being a really good playoff uh, defender or situational defender, knowing how to play situations correct. And I think that he's overall um, a really solid player. I just don't think he's got it night in and night out anymore, um, you know, with the age and um, just the level of playing time that he's got over the past uh, month or so too. So That's fair. I mean, I think uh, there would be some comfort maybe in seeing him again and having an opportunity for Austin to kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I think the Nuggets nation in general feels positively towards him for the most part. Um, no, no hard feelings. But um, on the other side, to kind of talk about the Nuggets sort of um, – I don't want to say X Factor. I think X Factor is the wrong word. X Factor is probably what you're thinking about when you're considering like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter. Um, Y Factor? Z Factor? Like some secondary character uh, in the like lower depths of the Nuggets rotation. You know, guys who Malone did not explicitly mention in that, um, that I think, top seven he gave a, few, a week or so ago in an interview. You know, guys like Flacco Chanchar, uh, guys like Peyton Watson, guys like, well, um, we can, I mean, explain, expound on that a little bit later. But I, I'm curious who you think, Dole, is going to pop this series. Um, you know, who is the, who is the ideal eighth man? Who gets the most, you know, if it's a five-game series, if it's a six-game series, of those five or six games, how many, uh, who kind of leads the lead, the team, I should say, in uh, minutes, you know, after Jeff Green, after Bruce Brown? Yeah, I mean, I it's got to be Christian. Christian's got to be the eighth guy. I think that he has um, a very uh, good opportunity to get those minutes because I think that, He's going to be one of those guys you got to throw in there. Got to throw him on Ant. Got to use him to tie Ant down. You got to use him to get him into foul trouble. I know Christian, he can shoot, but he also attacks. I think that that's important. I think Bruce and Christian need to attack Carl, excuse me, um, Anthony Edwards when uh, the starters are on the bench or when when Murray's staggering with them. They need to make him work harder um, and, uh, you know, try to get him into foul trouble so they have to pull him so they can go on these big runs and they can. Uh, you know, essentially stay away from the Wolves even being up by 10 at half. But um, I think that, uh, you know, we might see that strategy not happen until more so the second half of games. Uh, one of the adjustments that Malone could essentially throw in there, throw a wrench in things and try to get things all messy and, and um, you know, really bog the game down to a lot of uh, really tough baskets and um uh, free throw uh, type of situation and I think that that will be uh, you know a direction that I could see them going because that that's just the way that Christian when I see Christian on the court I think that Christian could you know get some minutes I think that um, in this in this game depending on what the Wolves are out there on their bench uh, if if they're going to play you know Jalen Noel or McLaughlin Reggie Jackson might be a guy that could come in and get some minutes too He's got a really great wingspan. Um, I don't I – I hate to say this about Reggie. I don't know if he's entirely as smart as McLaughlin, 
But I think he's about the same player as Noel, and I think that would be a pretty interesting matchup for um, Reggie to get out there, even to just go up against uh, Anthony Edwards, because I think that, once again, I I don't think Reggie's the smartest, but I do think he's actually smarter than Anthony Edwards uh, at this point in his career, just from a basketball uh, IQ aspect. So, um, you know, just looking at some other guys on the team, you know, maybe Zeke could get some minutes too, but ultimately, you know, it's it's got to be, it's got to be Christian Brown getting the minutes at the eight. And then for the nine, it's a toss up between Reggie and Zeke and, you know, maybe even Peyton and maybe, you know, honestly, even ish. Cause if, if, if they're going to put, um, if they're going to go ahead and put, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert out there, I think ish would absolutely cook Rudy. He can get to the hole on him. He's not going to be able to stop him. Then he gets a switch. He pulls him out and he just blows right by. And that's what ish does. So, I think that Ish could get away with a couple of that. Not saying that we're going to see him. That might be a far stretch. But I think that in this series, if you had to roll out Ish out there, I think you would be fine. That's fair. Um, I, You know, watching Ish play the last few games of the season, one of the things that really struck out to me was the way that for the first time in a long while when I was watching the Nuggets, especially without Jokic on the floor, it felt like there was a level of calm about the ball, you know, and about the stability and how they're kind of navigating an offense. Do I love Ish's game entirely? Not really. But at the same time, I do have an appreciation for that, that like ball handling stability. Um, yeah. in a lot of like pick and roll situations if they do want to use Thomas Bryant like at all I yeah. I do think Ish Smith is not a bad choice to allow Thomas to be a little bit better utilized than I think you know not that Bruce Brown is a bad player he has a lot of good traits about him mm-hmm. um, I, I just don't think the just running the pick and roll specifically is is one of them for him yeah um, and and the whole thing with Ish is is I love his speed. I love it so much. There's no way that Rudy's going to be able to contain that speed uh, to a consistent enough basis. Um, and I, I think that you know if the Nuggets are struggling to score and they're trotting Rudy out there against the bench, um, which I'm not entirely sure they will do, but they might. Um, I think that that would be a good counter. But I think that that would be like it would have to be like if this if this series went to seven games or six games or something like that. Maybe that would be an adjustment we would see. Maybe we would see Ish trot out there. But I think that it's extremely rare that we would see him. But like I said, the only thing that I really like about Ish is just his speed and his um, ability to be able to blow by the big. And I think that that is Rudy's biggest, uh, you know, one of his biggest um, uh, uh, weaknesses is he's not able to guard quicker players. And and that's that's just what I see in Ish. So I, obviously um, I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, you, you, you never know. If, you know. if we do see him, I would assume something had gone way wrong. That's fair. Uh, Peter, I was going to ask you. Uh, so kind of similarly of that, like, uh, I think, you know, Dole's probably right about the eighth man being Christian Brown, but I've guys 9, 10, 11, 12 in this rotation. Who do you see as most likely to make a meaningful appearance in this series? Uh, on the Nuggets roster, I mean. Uh, I think it would be Peyton Watson. I mean, I think Christian Brown's already in there, so – if the Nuggets just can't stop Ann at all, I feel like it's just like a breaking, you know, break glass in case of emergency type situation. Like you just try him, even if it's just five minutes, like just say, hey, 
can Peyton stick with this guy and bother him? You know, his length is insane. We don't have anything like that on the roster. So, you know, would he shut him down? Of course not. But if you have a matchup that is to another team's favor and you can't figure out a way to stop it, you just got to keep trying stuff sometimes. So I do believe Malone when he says he's not afraid to play him. So I don't think it's the plan. But if he needs to use Peyton Watson to win a series, I do think he won't be afraid to go to that card. I'm in both frustrated that you took my you took my pick, uh, but also that's that's why we're buds. But um, okay, yeah, no, I I do agree. I think about Peyton Watson a lot as a guy who is literally um, not just comparable to Anthony Edwards, but I think a little bit longer. And I find that really uh, tantalizing from a matchup perspective and so far as like how he can he can be impactful. Um, but outside of him, I mean, I know he's had a rough time in Denver so far. But I think particularly for the non-Jokic minutes, we might see more. I think we might see more Thomas Bryant than we expect. That's that's uh, Really? See, I feel like Moch is out on him. I feel like we'd see DeAndre before we see Thomas Bryant. Agreed. Uh. Yeah, well, maybe. I, that's but possible. I just want to go on record real quick. I don't think we're going to see Peyton. I don't think he's going to need him. I, I think that's much more of a, like, this guy's torching us. We got to try something. I think the Nuggets are going to do a good enough job on Anthony Edwards that Peyton's not going to be in this playoff rotation for this series. Yeah, I, I could see it if, you know, if the Wolves had more talent cumulatively. Right. It might be a closer situation where they do need that little boost, but it might be a case where Anthony Edwards is going off and he's got 40 points, but the Wolves are down, you know, 10, 15 at the same time. So maybe it's, you know, not something that Malone's really thinking about. Um, I say, you know, as, as much as um, Michael Malone is kind of out on, on Thomas Bryant and that DeAndre Jordan is, I think more capable than people give him credit for in terms mm-hmm. of what he can do. Um, I, I still feel like from a rebounding perspective, I think there's a lot of uh, defensive rebounding responsibilities that you need just that little bit more, like not just size, but I think also athleticism when we're talking about going against, you know, teams that are going to have like a Rudy Gobert and a, um, Carl Anthony Towns on the court at the same time, along with other sort of uh, you know larger players. Thinking about Anthony Edwards as one of them, it's just something that I've I've seen him go to maybe not recently, but historically. So I, I wonder if you know that, that's something we might see. To uh, get back to, I don't know how to how to put this. How do I put this? The personal dynamics of each team is mm-hmm. going to how I'm going to put it after the last week for Minnesota. Uh, I'm oh, I got something big on this, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, and okay, it up. yeah, okay, um, yeah, I'll throw it to you. I mean, just navigating the personal dynamics of the Wolves roster right now between Rudy Gobert, between Anthony Edwards, who I think have always had their own sort of not totally flush relationship. Uh, as well as that yeah. of Kyle Anderson, who I think is also a key player for them. I am doing it. You mentioned him earlier as a guy who may be one of the most important connecting pieces 
mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of you know that that kind of reliable swagman playmaker doing a bunch of little different things. How do you think the Wolves handle it down the stretch when they are kind of pressed and their backs against the wall? Do you think it's going to be a problem, you know, or do you think it's something that they can overcome? So I think that they are together now. I think they're on the same page. I think, you know, I did. I fully expected them to get blown out in LA. The fact that they went in there and got a ten point lead at halftime and like fifteen lead in the third quarter showed me that they were there, believing in themselves, ready to play. Unfortunately, they collapsed down the stretch, but that could have that could have got them down, right? And it didn't. They came out aggressive against the Thunder, you know, took the Thunder's first punch. That was a close game for the first, you know, 15 minutes, and then they blew the doors off them. So I'm not worried about that. I actually wanted to ask Dole because I wanted to set this up as, like, what I was noticing all season. When the Gobert trade was made, one of the big questions was, well, wait a minute, why would you want two big guys in the modern NBA? Like, isn't that going to, you know, make the spacing really difficult? And, you know, everybody doesn't really know how things are going to play out. You're like, oh, well, new chemistry, you know, it's it's normal for a team to get off to a sloppy start while they figure it out. And you might have questions as to, like, why things aren't working. But if you guys remember, I don't remember the exact time frame, but about a month into the season, Anthony Edwards actually came out on record to the media and was like, because he had, there was a stat, he only had, like, two dunks after, like, a month, right? And he's like, there's no space anymore. I can't get down there. So it was not a specific. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yep. We may have lost uh, stylistic for a moment. You know, football analogy, real quick, right? It's like. Hmm. Okay. I think I know where he's going with this, so I'll just pick up where he kind of left off. Um, you know, I I think what he's trying to tell us is, you know, how many. How, if it's possible to get points in the paint. Um, and I, I think that there's a way that they can. I just don't think that the passing game between the two bigs, I don't think Rudy has got worse hands than Michael Porter, and he cannot seem to get those balls uh, in between those tight windows, uh, passing windows. You know, I, I, can never see him, I can never see him making that pass or catching that pass. You know, I think I counted three times when they played the Lakers the other day where Rudy just had the ball go straight through his hands or he just had missed, or he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, not sitting in the right window, passing lane, et cetera, just covering himself up. Watching Rudy is so frustrating, man, and I, I feel the Wolves' pain in that sense. Um, I think Towns is all right. I, I think he can be kind of a decent playmaker. I think he's honestly like a little bit better playmaker than Embiid. Um, from a like getting out of the double team standpoint, I think. Um, I don't think teams double Towns as much either just because he's not as effective in the post. But when, when that when that kind of does happen, I mean, you got Rudy right there. Uh, you know, it, it just gets to be a logjam. And um, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people brought up, oh, well, and even Wolves fans brought this up. I bet they'll play better without Rudy. And they did play pretty well without Rudy against the Lakers. And I think that's something to note that Rudy might not really deserve to start. He might only be useful for uh, specific matchups. One of the matchups I think that he should play against is the Nuggets, however, just because of the center and um, how much uh, how much uh, attention that he attracts. You know, if, if uh, they were to put Towns on Jokic or Rudy on Jokic and then have the other one roam, you know, I think that that would be a good strategy against Jokic uh, to slow him down. 
Granted, I don't think it's going to be enough, um, especially with McDaniels out. So, And that was one thing I was really looking at, too, for this whole series. If, if McDaniels is out, that double team with Rudy and um, Towns is going to be a lot less effective to Jokic on, on the defensive side of the court for the Wolves. Um, but on the offensive side, um, you know, I think they're still working through the kinks and issues with that offense, with the how the two centers play together. And ultimately what I think has kind of happened is Towns has realized that he can't really play in the post as much. So he's almost become a wing player. Like he almost is, to me, he looks like a six, what is he, 6'11", seven-foot-ish? Uh, like 6'11". 6'11". He's like a 6'11", small forward. Like he just likes to shoot. He likes to get a smaller guy on him and just body his way into the into the hole like he basically wants to play like LeBron James plays um and that's kind of how I I see uh Towns you know he just a big bully wants to get to the hole and then he counters with his three-point shot he's been making his three-point shot a little bit inconsistently but it has been more consistent as of recent so we'll see what happens um you know I I, I think he is a 40% three-point shooter but I think he's what is he shooting like 37 35 percent this year I don't think he's shooting as good as he was last year. So, um, but that's just my thoughts on it. I I, I think that uh, you're going to see Towns a lot more out at the wing. He's not going to be in the post very much this series. Yeah, thirty-seven percent for him this year from from deep. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that you know having Chris Finch there and going into the whole kind of experiment. I was optimistic because I had kind of imagined that they would run something kind of similar to what they did in Denver or that Finch did in Denver with Towns as kind of that uh, fulcrum, like high post elbow guy and him running a lot of like DHOs and sort of like double screens and reverse screens, screen to screen replays, things like that. And using Gobert as almost like in the dunker spot exclusively, which, you know, where else does he live? Nowhere else. But they haven't done that so much, and it seems like Carl Towns isn't so much that um, hub of everything guy, at least for this team. That is something I, you know, I don't want to say it's disappointing because, like, they're not my team. But I also, I, I feel some, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I'll feel... I feel some disappointment maybe just as a fan of basketball and a team trying to experiment, you know, and, and kind of create something a little bit more boundary pushing in the NBA at the moment in the way that the center position even exists. Um, but anyway, Peter, I'll, I'll throw it to you. So before you left us, uh, you were talking a little bit about just the the kind of like Kyle Anderson and uh, between Carl Anderson, Carl Towns, Gobert, Edwards, kind of navigating the paint. How how optimistic are you that they're going to be able to execute at their highest level together? Versus, uh, you know, in comparison, they've had a lot of success, relatively speaking when Towns and Gobert have been working on an individual level with when the other isn't on a court. Do you feel like they're going to, you know, for maybe the first or second few times in the season shine together, or do you think they're going to stay separate? I think that what I've seen over the past month of the season is they were 
starting to figure things out. I just think it might be a little too late. You know, a guy that we touched on briefly, but I don't think we've really mentioned much is they traded D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley. And while you can make a debate on who the more talented player is there, you can't debate who's the more mature player and who's like the more high IQ player, right? Mike Conley has gotten that team organized. And I was a little surprised that it didn't click faster, but I think he just kind of struggled with his shot for a while at first goal and like needed some time to gain his rhythm with that group. But obviously he's got experience playing with Rudy. So I think he helped navigate that um, on the court and off the court. And I just think that it's a bummer for, for Conley that he wasn't able to get uh, I'm talking about Tim Conley, that he wasn't able to get Mike Conley in there sooner because I don't think he really wanted D'Angelo Russell with that group at all. But, you know, that was the hand he was dealt. He just became GM last year. So as far as personalities and fit, I do think things are better now. It's just so hard to build chemistry in that, that short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and speaking of Tim Conley, I mean, just as a, you know, one year into the job, um, with all of the quote unquote equity that he has, I'm curious, Peter, how do you feel like, how do you feel like he's looking at this roster and at this team and at the organization as a whole in so far as like, is, do you think he's happy in Minnesota? No, definitely not. I mean, his forte is the draft, right? That's his strong suit. He traded all those picks for Gobert, including Kessler, who Conley obviously identified correctly again as a good player late in the draft. So, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't mean to shit on the guy too much, but it's like, what what is Conley going to do now? Like, his strengths are not in the trade market, as we know. You know, he made the one good Gary Harris for Aaron Gordon deal. But other than that, like, that's that's you wouldn't you know if you were ranking the gms and how good they are at trading i don't think you'd put conley in the top half of the league so you know the the big decision for them coming up is you know they're gonna have to pay mcdaniels and then you're pretty much locked in at that point right you you got you're already paying cat gobert's on the massive deal ant's obviously going to get a max so the timberwolves really need the development from from ant and from mcdaniels to go you know, if they want to get where they want to go. And, uh, you know, I was basically just with Bill Simmons last year. It's like, why would you go all in now when Ant isn't ready? So it was just a very strange trade that doesn't look very well. And uh, I don't know what Conley's moves are. He, You know, it's not like they're going to get free agents up there. You know, are they even going to get the Jeff Green type? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, I have to imagine as far as like why it's because Carl Towns is ready. Uh, but Dola, I'm kind of curious what you think about the job that uh, Tim Conley's done and, and what his, you know, whether, um, I don't want to say we're going to assume that they'll lose, but however their playoffs sort of pan out for Minnesota, what do you feel like the outlook is, uh, I think, for Tim Connolly and that, that team from like a roster construction standpoint? Yeah, the Wolves need to get someone that resembles a point guard that has some sort of youth. Honestly, I think I said this on the show earlier this year. I think if the Wolves had Lonzo Ball, I, I think that that would be about the perfect as fit as you can get for them and have Connolly coming off the bench. And you can even have Connolly starting alongside him. I, I think that the lineup kind of gets a little bit messy uh, right now. But I, once McDaniels comes back, I mean, I think 
yeah, you need to have a good, strong point guard um, that can defend. And Mike Connolly is that, but he was that about like five years, six years ago. And he's like, what is he, 35, 36 now? He's he's going to be a backup point guard next year at best uh, in, in terms of what he would play and on other teams around around the league. And I he's still going to have nights where he's like amazing and looks like old Mike Connolly. But I mean, once again, when you're that age, age limits your performance to uh, a, an inconsistent basis, and that sucks. I I would love for, you know, if if Mike, if this was the Mike Connolly uh, on the Memphis Grizzlies or the Mike Connolly of the first year on the Jazz, you know, I think that this Wolves team is significantly better. I'm thinking that they're in the 4-5 with the Suns. Um, um, but as, as I said right now, like, I think that that's going to be the first direction the Wolves look to go is they need to get someone that needs to be, that, that can hold their own at point guard. Um, and I think they tried to do that with Mike Connolly just to patch it up for the rest of the year. But now they need to actually go out and get someone next year, whether if it's in free agency, the draft, trade market, et cetera. I, I think that that's something that needs to happen for the Wolves. Um, and I think we'll, we would see them be a, a, a little bit better. I, I, I think that the Wolves are starting to piece together uh, wing defenders. You know, they also – is it – it was the guy from Duke. Is it A.J. Griffin? Is that who they have on their – who is it? Oh, gosh, no, they have Wendell Moore. Griffin's on Wendell the Hawks. Moore. Wendell Moore, that's right. He was from Duke, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yep. He went to Duke. Yep, so they drafted him this year, and I could maybe see him fitting in to be a good defender, um, a, a good wing defender here for the Wolves in a couple of years. I don't think he's quite ready yet. I don't think his shot's quite ready yet, but I, I think that the, the defensive portion of his game could – it could work with that team. I don't think he's going to be the best defender by any means, but he's going to be able to hold his own and he'll be able to go out there and give someone a tough time. So I, I think that um, one thing that Tim learned from his time tenure at the Nuggets is maybe, you know, we should be trying to get a few more wings and a few more big defensive bodies because I think that's what kind of uh, would have helped the Nuggets in that 2020 bubble run a little bit more if they would have had just a one or two more defenders. You know, Torrey Craig and, and Gary Harris just weren't enough. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I think it, that's it, it's just a bummer. Like, if you're a Timberwolves fan, the whole reason you get Tim Connolly is because you see his track record in the draft, and you're a small market franchise, you know you're not getting free agents. you got to hit in the draft. You know, if you look at the Wolves' recent draft, like, the McDaniels pick was nice, but they kind of whiffed on Okogie. He's he's a decent player for the Suns now, but he's not what they expected to be. To be. And the big whiff was Jared Culver. You know, I'm pretty sure they traded up to get him. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. I know he went to the Grizzlies for a while. But, you know, the, the Timberwolves have really struggled in the draft for years. I mean, I hate to bring up Steph Curry, but they passed on him twice, as Timberwolves fans well know. Yep. So, Conley, even though it's his first year there and a lot of fans are mad about the Gobert trade, he's probably the best GM they've ever had in terms of being able to draft guys but now is he gonna be able to draft anybody <laughs> they traded all the picks to utah so uh, it, it's the ownership that's not taking enough heat for that trade in my opinion because i don't know how much conley wanted to do that agreed i totally agree i i try to tell my friends that all the time and they they think that uh you know tim Connolly is the mastermind behind the whole rudy gobert trade and it's just like well i don't I don't think he would do that. You know, he drafted him with the Nuggets and then he traded him pretty much almost instantly. Um, I think that Rudy is a fine player. I don't think he was worth those five first round picks. I think, um, uh, you know, Tim kind of knows that himself that he kind of overpaid. 
uh, in that trade. So I don't really think that he was the full uh, fledged leading driver behind that trade. So I definitely agree with you guys. Well, um, it's interesting because, you know, I, I look at this roster and I see, you know, I see Rudy Gobert, I see Nas Reed. I know he's not he's not healthy right now, but um, I think between Carl D. Downs and Luke Garza as well, you've kind of got four guys who I think can play center. Um, so I'm kind of curious what you think uh, for their future. Are they married to uh, having both Gobert and Towns on the same roster? Well, I hope not because I think that they can do what they're doing right now with Gobert, with Nas Reed. Um, Nas Reed isn't nearly as much of a defender, but he's he's not a liability on on uh, you know on a guard. I think that Nas can stay with guards a little bit better than um, Rudy can, and I also think that his um, whole defensive or his whole offensive game is a million times better than. Uh, Rudy and I think that down the stretch that would be very helpful to have a player that can go get you some points roll be in the right spot on the roll when you do run pick and roll I think that he is a great player next to Tim Connolly or some sort of pick and roll guard um, but I, I just I don't know I don't really like Rudy I don't think that that's a great fit I they tried it and it's not working out as well as they thought plus Rudy's getting old so I think that bigs will age a little bit quicker than, you know, like a guard or so. So I think that we could see Rudy really take a, a step off or a drop off here within the next two years. Is there an out in Rudy Gobert? Like, is there a way to move on from him, though? Not by getting all your picks back. Not by right. getting them all back. I think Rudy is going to be the type of player that's going to be traded to a team trying to compete with Embiid you know, or Jokic down the line. It's going to be one of those teams that are one piece away, and Rudy's going to end up being that piece that comes off the bench that, hey, you know, we, we need you to guard Jokic for 10, 15 minutes. You can foul as much as you want, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I think that a perfect comp for him is like Dwight Howard. Like he's going to be like Dwight Howard on the Lakers in about two years, and he's probably going to go back to the Lakers. He'll go to like the Boston Celtics or something dumb, New York Knicks. And he'll be that guy, that final piece that they're using as a primary defender on a big guy such as Embiid or uh, Jokic to win a playoff series. Do you think they would consider moving on from Towns instead? Yeah, I think they maybe would, but I, I think that Towns is uh, it. it it all depends because Towns really has just had a trouble of staying healthy or, you know, he's had personal issues. He seemed to really had taken a hard hit after COVID in his personal life, which is very unfortunate. I also think that, you know, he's had been unlucky with injuries too. And maybe that could just be a result of not being quite in perfect game shape yet, but maybe not. I mean, I, I think that, um, that Towns could really uh, be a good piece on another team as a secondary or a third player. But I, I just don't really think he would work as a primary uh, piece. And I think that's kind of what he is right now as a primary piece in Minnesota. And they really need to pass a torch on to Anthony Edwards to be the primary piece um, uh, uh, down the line, at least. Uh, I also don't really think that Towns and um, Anthony Edwards' timeline don't match up uh, exactly together. So I think that trading him would be beneficial to someone who matches Anthony's timeline a little bit better. But, I mean, they – 
they could still make it work. I just don't think the window is going to be open as long. That's fair. That's fair. Um, with that, let's take a quick break. And then on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, just some like around the association type uh, things in the league going on. Well, I'll see you in a second. And we are back. So um, a lot of in-depth conversation about the Nuggets, about the Wolves, and about that matchup. Um, around the league, you know, the playoffs have begun. Uh, we've had a few games under our belt so far, along with um, a very interesting, I think, playoff series. I'm sorry, play-in series for both conferences. Doe, I'll throw it to you. What are some things that have stood out for you so far, either in the playoffs or the play-in? Just things you're thinking about and paying attention to. Yeah. I was looking at the... I watched the Nets in 76ers game yesterday, and I thought I thought that was actually a pretty good game. I know it was 20 points, but I think that the you know the Sixers just played well. I mean, they shot like 50% from the field, basically. They shot about 50% from three. They overall just played really well. Um, I don't always think that they're going to be able to get those type of, of performances from literally like everyone. Like, I mean, Paul Reed had 11, which is better than what he normally does. Um, like James Harden, 23 and 13, that's pretty good. Uh, Maxi had a tougher tougher day, but I mean, Embiid scoring 26 on 15 shots. I mean, that's way better than what he normally does. Um, uh, granted, he usually scores a little bit more, but I mean, he's doesn't need to do as much. And I think that's going to be big for the Sixers moving forward. But I don't see that, you know, this whole, uh, this whole uh, 76ers movement um, looking good lasting for too long. I know I, I think that the Sixers are um, going to see some struggles. I think that Brooklyn will throw some change-ups at them. They've got plenty of uh, wing defenders that I think that they can cause some problems. I didn't think Claxton played entirely terrible yesterday as well. I thought he played really tough. He only had five points, but 10 boards, um, played 30 minutes. And I think he played a lot of those minutes really tough against, uh, um, you know, Embiid. So we'll see what the series entails moving forward. I think there's going to be a strategy to it to where if they bring, um, you know, Mike or Mikhail or, or Dorian Finney as a double, um, both of them are kind of smaller, uh, bigs, but, uh, you know, they've, They've been trying to run that, um, both of those. And they've been, looks like they've been trying to put Dorian at the small forward as well. So, uh, you know, I mean, I would hope that this um, Nets could win at least two games, maybe one. Um, you know, it would be great if they did. If they didn't, you know, I mean, the Sixers might head into the next round uh, and it'll be quite the series that they're, I think it looks like they're going to have with the Celtics. I'm not going to lie. I might. I don't want to say I see a sweep here, but I see some brooms on the horizon, maybe, uh, being pulled out of the closet. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I think it is in, it's an uphill battle for them, for sure, is what I would say. Uh, I have been really impressed with Mikel um, Bridges as far as, like, how he's been able to, you know, step up and, and embrace a role that's uh, I think people don't necessarily expect from him, you know, and I oftentimes have an appreciation for players who presented with an opportunity can do more than people expect just because I think that's often more true than I think people realize in that way is that 
uh, we've always been able to see players in a certain light and see them in certain roles that, you know, if they can't get outside that, um, you know, they can shine a little bit more than we expect. Uh, Peter, I'll throw it to you. Do you have any thoughts about either that series, Philadelphia and Brooklyn, or any of the other series in the first round or the uh, playoff play-in? Yeah, real quick on Philly Brooklyn, uh, I just think that when they made that trade for Durant, you know, sort of against their will, they just got you know as much good stuff as they could. Everybody was like, "Oh, Brooklyn has so many wings now." They do have a lot of wings now, but Ray, as you and I know from watching the Nuggets for so many years. Even if you do have good wings, it doesn't really matter if you can't guard point guards. And the Nets don't really have good point of attack defense. So it's like a trickle-down effect, right? I mean, they've got Seth Curry, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris in their backcourt. Patty Mills isn't even playing. Um, They just don't have good guards. Like, James Harden was unbothered yesterday and did whatever he wanted. So I don't know if they're going to put bridges on them or, you know, they got to try to do something to at least limit Maxi or Harden a little more because Embiid didn't even really have to work that hard yesterday. So this was just a bad matchup for the Nets from the start. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me at all if it's sweep. Nets might get one game, but it, it's just a mismatch. But the thing that my biggest takeaway from day one was that that Warriors-Kings game was awesome. I mean, you, you got to be happy for Sacramento fans. First time in the playoffs in almost two decades and you know back and forth game you know a game that never really got out of hand either way is like pretty pretty good close game the whole way through and the the kings pull it out um just a really cool moment and you know if i had to pick i still do think the warriors will get out of this series but i don't think it's going to be a short series i think this one's going to go at least six maybe seven very interesting i'm I I mean, that is actually the series I'm most interested in as well. Um, I mean, game one going to the Kings, I'm really, I mean, I think just happy for them. As much as I'm not necessarily a Kings fan, the um, just watching a team that hasn't had the sort of uh, the luck or the success or the draft. I'm not going to say the draft is rigged. I'm not going to say that on this podcast and to, to millions of people. But what I will say is that just like it's been a tough time for them for the last 10, 20 years, honestly, since I've been alive. Um, and, you know, it's cool to see them beat a team who I also don't like in the Warriors. So um, not to say that I hate the Warriors, but, you know, any team that's not the Nuggets out of the playoffs, I'm happy to watch them uh, struggle. And I want to shout out, you know, De'Aaron Fox with uh, 29 points in the second half in that game. I think that's really big for him. And, you know, I'm, I want to believe I'm almost wrapped up in that, that like, uh, and this might be purely emotional. I I think just it's the beam, it's the vibes, it's uh, all the little things that go into that. But I mean, Obviously, the Warriors are going to step, you know, they're going to bounce back to some extent. But um, I'm curious, Peter, like, how much do you believe in the Kings? Like, how far, you know, is there like a a possibility they win that series? Yeah, I think there's a real chance they win this series. I mean, Malik Monk went off yesterday, too, off the bench for the Kings. He's been one of the best six men in the NBA all season. And what's been the Warriors' biggest weak point? 
their bench. Um, you know, Jordan Poole, he's a he might be the the front page of the NBA for like one way players, right? I mean, when that guy's on, he's electric, but that guy just doesn't really guard anybody at all. So I think it's a good series for Malik Monk because the Warriors are smaller, so he can he can, you know, he's he's quietly like a three level scorer, guys. I mean, he's a good three point shooter. He's got a good handle and he's quick. He can get to the rim. He was getting to the rim. He was getting to the floater in the mid range. Warriors don't really have shot blockers. I mean, yeah, Draymond's good, but he's he's preoccupied with Domas. You know, he did a really good job on uh, Sabonis yesterday. So the fact that Sabonis didn't even play well and the Kings won the game anyway, that's a really bad sign for the Warriors. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he figures out the Draymond matchup a little better going forward. I'm not saying he's going to figure him out the way Jokic did, but he he's not going to continue to play as bad as he did, I have to think. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, Dole, do you, do you kind of see the Warriors and to what extent, you know, maybe adjustments that they might make or what have you um, that they can bounce back against the Kings and kind of get on the expected path, I think, for a lot of people in terms of uh, beating a team that hasn't won a playoff game in some number of years, decades? Yeah, I think the Warriors were hiding it last night some, um, but... They've got to attack Domitas Sabonis. Um, he's definitely a weak part of that team. Um, I think they can get whatever they want on Sabonis. I don't think he's entirely a great defender. Um, I don't really think that they did that to their full extent, to their full ability last night, of where they really attack Sabonis enough. Um, another point, too, is that they've got to find ways to slow down De'Aaron Fox, make, make another guy on their team beat them. I mean, I think it's got to be Sabonis, really, uh, is what, who they got to make. Um, and they need to make Sabonis figure out against Draymond Green one-on-one in the post. Um, with with that being said, I, I think the Kings are so electric and so high-powered still that I think that they should probably win this series. Um, uh, and you kind of saw that on full-fledged scale last night where you couldn't really stop the Kings down the stretch. They just kept scoring on you. And no matter what you did, no matter what you tried, um, the, you know, De'Aaron Fox got to his spots. Uh, you know, Domitas Sabonis, you know, he was getting rebounds and um, – I think that that's important moving forward in the series. Um, but, yeah, just to go back on what Bucket said, you know, I, I think that it would take a pretty good effort and a pretty good uh, shooting performance uh, for the uh, for the Warriors to essentially pull this one out. Um, I think the Kings will probably end up taking this series in six or seven games, hopefully seven games. Yeah, I think seven games would be a really interesting series and um, a very fun one, I think, for fans and the league at large. Whichever way it goes. Uh, for me, I kind of, you know, with the thing that's been on my mind, I, I think I've been, um, you know, intermittently, I, I touch on this team a lot. I think the Chicago Bulls, for them, uh, I'm really interested in what they do going forward just as a team that I think for, you know, it's kind of time to blow it up. Um, can you, well, do you have to? No, they could just bring everybody back, pay everybody that they can and attempt another year at, mediocrity, which is what I thought they wanted to move away from with trading Jimmy Butler way back when. But I think um, for any team who does want to compete, I think there's a number of players on that roster who I find, you know, interesting. Um, Maybe not star players. You know, thinking about DeMar Rosen, thinking about uh, Zach Levine, are they number one guys? No. But I think for a number of teams in the league who are looking to compete in that kind of arms race fashion, I, I do think that there are a couple of guys and a number of guys on that team as far as role players 
who can contribute, uh, I think, to any winning team. And I honestly hope that for their own sakes that they uh, yeah, just move in the direction that I think is most expedient to getting them a title, which is, in their case, blowing it up. Um, unless you guys had anything to add, I think we can close it out here. Cool. And we will do that. So this has been Four Corners. Uh, again, you can find me online at Ravon Hatch on Twitter, uh, Peter at BucketSense88, and Dole at Jokic's Delicious Revenge is his tagline, but he's Revenge Jokic um, in his username. Uh, and keep an eye out for our website and uh, anything content we're going to be dropping in the future. So uh, thank you for listening if you've made it this far. And as always, go Nuggets. <laughs>